the Internet's most listened to talk radio network, VoiceAmerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to our show. We are today live in Houston, Texas. As I am doing the show, although our guest is not in Houston, Texas, I do want to say hello to all of my friends here in Texas, especially a special hello to I Dare Dart. You know, this past weekend was the 10th anniversary picnic for the Bender family where all of my current and past employees with their family are invited. We had about 200 people at the picnic. It was absolutely fantastic. And as a surprise to me, one of my employees, his girlfriend, Melissa, who has an absolutely beautiful voice, uh, and my employee is Michael Gravitt, and what he did is he contacted IDARE because he heard IDARE sing the Amen song on my radio show, and the words to the Amen spiritual were her father's word, Justin Dart, lead on. And they had taken all of Justin's famous sayings, put it to this music, and they surprised me. Melissa recorded this with Idea's permission, and I'll tell you what. What a great picnic. What a great day. I dare, Yoshiko, we love you, and to all of my current and past employees. What a wonderful celebration. It's all about being independent and getting out there, making things happen, and that's really what Tim Flynn is all about, the executive director of Shake-A-Leg, located in Boston, Massachusetts. Tim, welcome to the show. Joyce, I can't thank you enough for having me on your show. I would like to make a fast correction, however. We're not located in Boston. Located in Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, sorry about that. That's because I heard about you in Boston. There you go. So I thought you were in Boston. So where are you again? We are in Newport, Rhode Island. Okay. Tim Flynn, Executive Director of Shake-A-Lake in Newport, Rhode Island. That's right, because most of your career you've worked in Rhode Island. I remember you worked for that uh, Perry Independent Living Center. Yes, ma'am. But Mellon Financial is a corporate sponsor of yours, correct? They are a corporate sponsor of Shake-A-Lake. Yes, and, they... and really, really great people. That's how I heard about you, Tim. And uh, may I say, I heard only great things about you, but although I heard a lot about Tim, I know our listeners may not know about you. So how about if you tell our listeners how and why you became an advocate for people with disabilities and then became a leader in the community? Well, I guess um, I was paralyzed in a car accident in 1981. I was uh, 19 years old, the, by the way, the most common age for the onset of spinal cord injury. And I was probably your typical guy, you know. I was 19, uh, probably got, I got my driver's license the year before. Excuse me, could we go back to that one minute? Sure. Why is that? Why is 19 the age that this usually happens? Is that just because of youth and I, tr- trying things and being reckless? What do you think? I think that is exactly it. I think it, it, it really is that, you know, it, you sort of know the answer intuitively. Um, 
individual, you know, when you're 19 and you're male, um, you know, you are, you're young, you, you know, I just got my, my driver's license the year before and I was sort of out and about and, uh, you know, and also 19 year olds experiment with alcohol and that sort of thing and Mike, uh, you know, I was out one night, I, I had been drinking and I was driving home, we were on spring break, as, my, as, I, as I recall, it was February 13th, needless to say it was a Friday. And uh, I was driving home, and I'd been out with a friend of mine, and I lost control of the car. And really, the next thing I really remember is sort of coming is coming to uh, lying on the pavement in the middle of the road. And we had some next door neighbors who were volunteer fire department members. And I remember just sort of looking up and seeing uh, Mr. Bergen, who was uh, the father of my friend, sort of looking down at me with this very sort of nervous look on his face saying, you know, are you okay? And he says, you know, I sort of looked up. I said, I couldn't move. And, you know, and he sort of said, don't worry, you'll be all right. And, uh, you know, they sort of put me in an ambulance at that point. And um, we were probably about, oh, I'd say 60 miles outside of New York City. And so uh, rather than take me to the local hospital, they took me to New York to Bellevue Hospital, which at that point was the regional trauma, was the regional Spinal Trauma uh, Center, where they, you know, I had surgery at that point, and uh, they, they stabilized my neck, and then I did my rehab at the Rusk Institute, which is just up the road, up First Avenue from uh, from Bellevue. See, I'm originally, originally I'm from New York City. I was born in the Bronx, and, and so I'm 44 years old, and uh, I guess, but at that point, you know, to answer to sort of, in a roundabout way, answer your questions. I was, you know, I, I, you know, I was 19. I took a lot of chance. I was, I was you know, sort of a risk taker, and um, so I think that that sort of, you know, and, and, and intuitively, as, as I said, that uh, I think that people, sort of, 19-year-olds uh, are sort of uh, are, are sort of ripe at that age uh, for something like this to happen. What happened to your friend? Uh, fortunately, he just had a couple scratches on him. He walked away. Oh my which goodness! Is, which is very lucky. Uh, yeah. For uh, for 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 not only himself, but really for me, because I have uh, two friends actually who were involved in DWI crashes who uh, that involve fatalities. And I tell you, Joyce, you know, I mean, as much as you can rationalize, you didn't mean it, you didn't intend it. Uh, that is really a burden that people really carry with them for twenty, thirty, you know, uh, with them, you know, forever. And I think it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is very understandable. But see, see the, the difference here is, Tim. You had a tragic accident. You acquired a disability. But a lot of people, when that happens, you know, they don't move on the way you did. And even if they do move on, they certainly don't come forward as a leader in the disability community. So that's the question that I have. What made you do that? Well, I think um, a couple things. Um, I think. Uh, you know, I think my family had a lot to do with it. I think, uh, you know, we were sort of my, you know, my, my father's a lawyer, but we're sort of all sort of type A, sort of moving ahead people. I think I never really, you know, having, you know, having gotten hurt, I mean, there's a process that you go through. I mean, and, you know, there's sort of the, the stages of grieving, the denial, the depression, the anger, the bargaining, the acceptance. You know, you go through all that, and, you know, sort of in the short term. And so, you know, you're, you're sort of sitting there saying, why me? And, you know, how this happened and what am I going to do and how am I going to socialize and how am I going to get a job, how am I going to, you know, I'm 19, I had to finish school. I mean, there are lots of, there are these sort of, these sort of 
all these big sort of mishmash of you know hurdles to, to leap over, and uh, and I think, but you know, I, I really, I really will never sort of forget. I remember, um, you know, I, I was uh, I just been sort of transported to the hospital in New York, and my parents who were in New York City at the time had, had met me down at the hospital. I mean, can you imagine that phone call? At any rate, mm, um, terrible. You know, and so I remember my mother. I was lying there, sort of staring at the ceiling, which I did a lot of initially. And uh, she came up to me and she said, "You know, she says everything's going to be all right." She says, "I don't know what all right is," but she says everything was is going to be okay. And so I, you know, and that was that was extremely comforting words at that point. Um, you know, but I mean, again, I didn't know what okay was going to be, but I really think that you know, I mean, you know, we we, we sort of uh, were expected to work in my family, and you know, you're expected to excel and do well, and you know, I had a, a great head start from them. I went to good schools, and so uh, really, the, the notion of not working never ever never occurred to me, and so, but the process then became, how do you get from point A to point B, and so. You know, there I was. Um, you know, I guess you start out and uh, you go back to school and you have two classes at a time. Well, I mean, let me back it up a little bit. Um, you know, you go through rehab and you're saying that you go from flat on your back into the rehab center and uh, for, you, for your listeners, uh, I am a C5-6 quadriplegic, which means that I have, I'm a functional, I'm pretty much a functional C7 at this point. But my right arm is stronger than my left. And so, you know, you have to learn everything. You have to learn how to brush your teeth again. You have to learn how to sit up straight. You have to learn how to, you know, uh, you know, get dressed or do any of that kind of stuff. You have to learn how to take care of your, uh, take care of your personal needs. Um, you know, or if you can't do it yourself, you have to learn how to instruct someone else to do it. And so, you know, that was the whole learning process that you go through, you know, in, in rehab. Um, so I was discharged. Oh, probably nine months later from the rehab center. Uh, I remember it was Thanksgiving, and I was in an electric wheelchair uh, needing, uh, with a prescription, I think, for... I had uh, four hours of, of nursing care prescribed in the morning and two hours prescribed at night. So someone so to get me up in the morning and put me to bed at night. And so, um, you know, and so I, I sort of went home and with the... the Modifications done to my parents' apartment in New York, and uh, I was sort of, uh, I was, you know, I, w- I was taking a class at a time. I started out the new school, and I transferred to Fordham University in New York, and uh, I was working with the, Depart- the State Department of Vocational Rehabilitation, and uh, and so they were providing transportation back and forth to school. And one of my sort of bugaboos was that, um, you know, it didn't matter if my class wasn't until two o'clock in the afternoon. If the if the ambulance service could, pick, could only pick me up at eight o'clock in the morning, well, I was going to school at eight o'clock in the morning, and I felt that you know I really sort of wanted a little more autonomy, a little more sort of options in terms of you know getting back and forth to school and setting my own schedule. And so uh, I thought, geez, wouldn't it be great if it, if you know somehow I'd be able to uh, get in that to take cabs. So that I could, you know, sort of come and go as I wanted to and get to school that way. Uh, but that involved several things, Joyce. It involved, uh, one, I had to get out of that electric wheelchair. Mm. Because you can't really anticipate, you can't expect to, mm. 
Abby uh, on a cold night in February, that he's figuring out how to unhook batteries and fold up, you know, 200 pounds of wheelchair and throw it in the trunk. So I had to get out of the electric wheelchair and into a manual wheelchair. But even more important than that was I had to learn how to pick myself up out of the wheelchair and put it in the front seat of the cab. I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was I was able, actually, at that point, I could do uh, sliding board transfers, which uh, for you know, mm-hmm. anybody with spinal cord injury out there, they understand what I'm talking about. But it's essentially a board that you stick under your rear end and slide across, you know, from my wheelchair to bed. And I was able to do that. But, you know, again, you know, that's in a very controlled environment of my bedroom, which I would, uh, would set up perfectly for myself. When you're out in the street and you got curbs and you got potholes, you got, you know, you've got to be able to sort of, you know, wing it on the fly, and I wasn't able to do that. And so I was contemplating that, and uh, as these things happen, you know, it's sort of a, one of these six degrees of separation things. Uh, my mother actually knew someone who knew someone else who knew a fellow in Newport by the name of Harry Horgan who started uh, a, an operation called Shake a Leg. All right, well, wait. Stop right there. Hold that thought while we go to break. We'll be right back with Tim Plin in Rhode Island, the executive director of Shake a Leg. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to The Voice of VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Have you put down the morning paper in disgust because they weren't reporting what you wanted to read? Have you wondered why there aren't more women's voices in the news? Well, so have I, and we're about to change that. This is former Minnesota State Senator Ember Reichgott Young. I hope you'll join me for a new radio show every Thursday all about women on the move. We'll look at what's missing in the news, the issues often ignored in mainstream media, like how does Social Security reform really affect women? Why is the Department of Labor proposing to stop collecting workforce data on women? What role will women play in Iraq's new government? 
We'll create that debate right here. The Ember Reichgott Young Show will have prominent women you know and inspiring women you don't know. We'll share stories of women's leadership, courage, and vision. We just need you to be part of the conversation. So join us for the Ember Reichgott Young Show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's all about you, women on the move, on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We've been talking to Tim Flynn, the Executive Director of shake leg located in Rhode Island. And Tim, when we went to break, I had been asking you, you know, what caused you to become a leader in the community? And you had been telling us the story of what you went through just learning how to get into a cab and then how you met an individual from Shaker Lake. Right. The individual's name was Harry Horgan. And Harry was actually injured a year before I was. And I met him through, you know, friends of friends of my, you know, I mean, somehow, you, you know, you hear about an organization. I was, at that point, I think I was about 21, 22 years old. I was, you know, facing the summer of hugging my air conditioner in New York City, trying to stay cool. And, uh, I had heard about this program in Rhode Island called Shake a Leg. And, you know, with a certain amount of New York cynicism, a healthy New York cynicism, uh, you know, I said, what are these guys selling chicken? What are they doing up there? <laughs> you know, A and B is, you know, do I need a passport to get to Rhode Island? But, you know, I mean, I really thought that, you know, I, re- I really, I had sort of heard about this program, so I picked up the phone and spoke to Mr. Horgan. And he said, I really described my situation. I said, I'm a C5, 6 quadriplegic. I am, you know, I'm going to school. I got to rely on these darn ambulance services that, that, you know, that take me, at, you know, at their convenience and not at mine. And so my goal is to learn how to get in and out of a car. And he says, "Well, he says I won't make any promises to you, but he said we had an individual in our program this past year uh, with a similar injury to yours and had the same goal. And he said that, you know, he was able to accomplish his goal. And so, you know, and so I said. I'm gonna, this could be something that could benefit me. But, you know, I mean, don't forget, Joyce. I mean, there's a great amount of sort of fear that's involved with this also. I mean, I was leaving sort of a, a, a very protected environment that I had lived in for two years. Um, you know, I had all my care needs were met, and I knew sort of what I knew what was coming. I knew it was around the corner. And so to, you know, sort of pick up stakes, you know, sort of pick up stakes and, you know, climb on 95 and head up to Rhode Island, which I didn't know where it was. I'd never been to before, um, you know, was real was a real kind of daunting task for me, and uh, you know, because I was leaving sort of my you know, the protective safety of sort of the cocoon that I had sort of set up around me, um, you know, and we were, the program at that point was held in a dormitory at University of Rhode Island, and you know, I mean, it's just sort of it's the great fear of the unknown, but um, you know, I mean, I, I it was something that I really wanted to do. Thought it'd be good for me, and so I sort of, I got, I sort of made the commitment to do it. I came up, I came up to Rhode Island, and sort of met Harry. And he was a very personal fellow, and there were probably at that point, oh, I'd say ten or eleven other people who were involved in this, in what is known as the Body Awareness Training Program, and that is the fun of that. That is sort of the, the flagship program of the organization, um, and I guess it was started in 1982. 
by Mr. Horgan. And his idea was this, and let me tell you why, why he started it. Um, he was, a, para, he was a, a paraplegic, a T5 paraplegic, which means basically uh, he was paralyzed from sort of the mid-chest down. Um, he, had also, he was also at Rusk, as I think I mentioned, um, uh, a year before me. And uh, he had the desire to walk with the assistance of crutches and braces. And, you know, the people at Rusk, at that point, Rusk was probably the top rehab center in the country where this was way back in 1981, I guess. And uh, actually, he was there in 1980. And um, they said, yes, I mean, they said, yes, it'd be a good idea. They said, you may or may not be able to do it. But our problem is, is we are the regional trauma center. And we have a long waiting list for beds. Now, what we've done with you, for you, is, yes, you are independent. We have done sort of our job for you. You're, you're a paraplegic. You're able to take care of yourself. There really is, we can't afford the bed space to teach you sort of this specialized skill. And so he, so he was discharged, and so he went, back to, he went back to Newport, and a friend of his family gave uh, he and his family an article uh, from Somatics Magazine written by two gentlemen who... Uh, one is Bill Zimmer, and the other is Carl Ginsberg. And they are a Rolfing practitioner and a Feldenkrais practitioner, respectively. And in this article, it said that they had had great success working with people with spinal cord injury in terms of accomplishing specific goals. Uh, one of the goals that they had, and, one, and, and one, of the, one of the most effective things that they did, and this was something that uh, Mr. Horgan suffered from, was he had an incredible staticity. And uh, for your listeners, uh, I think, Spasms are, you know, they're involuntary muscle contractions. It can happen for any number of reasons, and some people have have a lot of spasticity, uh, like like Harry and myself, as a matter of fact, and some people don't. But it's a major hurdle when you're trying to accomplish a specific task. And so uh, he went out to, he got on a plane, uh, went out to Albuquerque, New, Mex- New Mexico, where these gentlemen were, uh, were practicing, and Got a hotel room about a half mile down down the road from their offices. Went to their offices every day for six weeks, and darn it, after six weeks, he was functional on his braces. And we're not talking merely, you know, walking between parallel bars, but he could go out, he could get in out of a car, he could, you know, open doors, uh, you know, which is very difficult when you have braces. Um, and you know, he became functional, and so we came back to uh, to Rhode Island. At that point, he had been running a fundraiser for spinal cord injury research uh, up there. Uh, they had thrown a party, and it was called Shake a Leg for Spinal Cord Injury Research. And they raised, I uh, probably, you know, $15,000 for the, for the cause back then and donated it. But the idea went on over Harry's head. said, geez, you know, if working with these guys uh, was, was able to help me so much uh, from a functional standpoint, he says, well, you know, Perhaps it, it could apply to other people, to other disabilities and other levels of disability, and so that really was sort of the aegis of um, of, the, of the body awareness training program. And so we started out first year in a uh, very small in the, in the Newport in the Newport Boys and Girls Club, and he had four or five people, and sort of the these two gentlemen agreed to come to Rhode Island and uh, work with uh, people that Harry could get together, and he incorporated not only that sort of the, from the holistic bent. Rolfing practitioner and the Feldenkrais therapy, but um, he, he incorporated aquatic therapy and traditional physical therapy, strength training, group therapy, counseling, some massage, and sort of and created sort of a six-week-long boot camp. 
geared towards teaching geared towards teaching independent living skills. And one of the, the main criteria for uh, getting involved in the program is you have to have a realistic goal. Um, you know, I mean, if someone came, if someone comes to Shake Lake saying, "Well, I want to walk again," well, fine, don't we all? But you know, I mean, we want to make you functional so that you can accomplish so you can accomplish a task that will enable you to do something else. Work, going to school, whatever it is, uh, but you have to be specific and realistic in your in your expectations and in your ability to carry out a specific function. And so that really is sort of that was sort of the, the beginnings of the program, and I I heard about it, and uh, so I arrived as as a 22 year old guy and uh, sort of um, you know with I, I'm not really quite sure I don't remember what kind of expectations I had, but. I felt that this was a real opportunity to be able to, to at least you know attempt to get to where I wanted to be, um, and so uh, you know, darn, you know what happens in the program is you really you spend you know a couple weeks sort of undoing what paralysis has done, working with the therapist. They loosen your body up. They reduce the spasticity. Um, you spend the next two weeks sort of getting stronger, uh, building up strength, building up confidence, talking to other people. How do you accomplish this? And that, that's also a big part of the interaction um, and the big part of, of the success of the program. And the last week is you spend, I spent two weeks in the, in the parking lot with the car door open saying, how the heck am I going to do this? And, you know, but the big thing was is I learned so much from other guys, other men and women in my situation. Now, these are people who've been through before who say, well, you got to put your hand here and you got to slide your butt forward then you got to, you know, take a deep breath and you got to sort of think, you think it through and you lift up. And, you know, that's how I do it, and so I try, would try one way. Maybe it didn't work that well, so I'd have to tailor a little bit so that it, I'd have to tweak it so that it would fit my abilities because, as you know, every disability is different. And so, darned uh, if after six weeks, I wasn't, the, I wasn't, not only was I in and out of the car, but I was out of that electric wheelchair. And so I was able to then take cabs, and so I mean, it really opened up a big door for me, a big door for sort of autonomy, making my own decisions, um, I wasn't sort of, you know, I wasn't sort of a ward of someone else who would be taken to where, you know, be taken to school at their, as their sort of beck and call. I made my own decisions. And so, field theory, Joyce, you know, success begets success. And you know what? That is absolutely a, the greatest story because right now we are at my company, Bender Consulting Services, trying to hire a lot of people. We have openings for people to work in finance, IT, accounting, all across the United States, not just in Pennsylvania, but in Washington, D.C., right here in Texas, you know, different parts of the country. And sometimes a college student or an adult with a disability has that fear of leaving home, you know, moving to moving on. And I think you're a great example, though, of how important that is to take that step. It's not unusual for the person to have that fear, especially, in, you know, if you've had that support system from when you were a child. Yep. However, you always have to remember those other people that take care of you won't always be there. Correct. And then what will happen? Well, and, 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 that's, and that's really one of the, that's a big motivator, Joyce, as you, as, as you point out. One has to really realize that um, we're, we're all responsible for ourselves, and um, you know we're responsible not only financially and you know keeping a roof over our head, but we're 
lady and sort of, a, you know, I can't do anything. And, uh, you know, and then that, that's almost self-perpetuating also. I mean, as success begets success, I think fa- not failure, but... Um, Negative thinking. Loss of hope. Mm-hmm. Really, really, uh, really just sort of becomes its own confirmation. Very, very true and profound words from someone I feel has accomplished so much. Tim Flynn, the executive director of Shake a Lake, don't go away. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Joyce Bender, the voice of voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. the world together you're listening to america's voice voiceamerica.com at vendor consulting services incorporated our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities independence and freedom for people with disabilities while the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high over 13 million disabled americans many of them experts in technology remain unemployed Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Hello, this is Roy Goray, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Make Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific right here on America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. If you have a question or comment for Joyce or her guest, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now back to Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We've been talking to Tim Flynn, the executive director of Shake a Leg based in Rhode Island. Um, and Tim, I do have a question for you that many of my listeners have sent in and asked. And that question to you specifically is, what do you do when you acquire an accident? 
have an injury that leaves you as a person with quadriplegia and your spouse rejects you? Well, unfortunately, in about 90% of the cases, that's exactly what happens. Um, what do you do? It's a very good question. Um, I think, you know, I mean, I can explain reasons. I can, I can tell people why, you know, until I'm blue in the face, you know. You know, you become, you become disabled. You're not the same person that this person fell in love with. Uh, you know, perhaps uh, you, you and your spouse or your significant other had a passion for mountain climbing or had a passion for skiing. And, well, you know, that passion is, you know, that's just not going to happen at this point. Um, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult, I think. Um, I think what the most effective strategy would be is communication. You have to, you know, you have to say this is, and, and realist, communication and realistic expectation is, is, I think, um, understand that, you know, when you initially get hurt, as I, and I really remember this distinctly, is all these doctors are wrong. They're telling me I'm paralyzed. Well, they don't know Tim Flynn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm tough. I can, you know, I can overcome this. They're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk out of this place, and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to prove them all wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... <laughs> Unfortunately, they're the ones that are looking at the x-rays, and they're the ones who are looking at the MRIs, and they see where the actual break is. And, you know, it's tough to argue with physics and, uh, and chemistry and whatever else happens. And so I think what you have to do is, you know, have a realistic understanding of, of, of where you are. And then if you're dealing with a significant other, and look, I'm making this up. I mean, I, I think, you know, the statistics are terrible. You know, but as I said, like 90% of relationships do not survive spinal cord injury. But that's not to say that, um, you know, you can't get involved with someone else. And you can't be, you know, I mean, you can see. In this, really what I find is with disability, you can either look back or you can look ahead. And a lot of times, I mean, I think the real big turning point in one's development and one's adaptation to a disability is no longer looking in terms of what you lost, but you're looking in terms of what you get, what you have, and what you can get. And I mean that was a real big turning point for me. It was no longer oh I can't go skiing anymore. Or, oh, it's no longer I can't, you know I can't oh God, dance or you know or uh, I can't uh, name it. I mean and so you have to really think in terms of what can I do and sort of and sort of decide to take sort of positive steps and, and have a positive attitude about oneself. And I think that that, I tell you, I mean, that was one of the, that was one of the greatest lessons I learned from my participation in this, in the Body Awareness Program, is a real degree of self-acceptance. And I understand who I am, and I'm okay. I like who I am, you know, and, I, you know, I think, and, you know, I don't have to walk to be a whole person. And I think that that's a, that's, that's a very hard, it's very easy, of course, for me, Joyce, to sit here and say that. And, you know, with, and if someone's listening out there who's just been hurt, you know, they're still going through a process. And they have to remember that it is indeed a process. It took me two, three years to figure it all out. Some people figure it out in a shorter time. Some people take longer. 
but it is key and vital to really focus on, you know, I can do something, and I am worthwhile. I am not, you know, my worth is not judged in my ability to stand up. My, my worth is really about what's in my brain, what's in my heart, and what's, you know, and, and, and what I choose to do with them. And so I think that, you know, for, 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 for that question, for the caller that called in with that question, is I think you are most attractive when you feel good about yourself. And so, you know, um, I wish them more luck, of course. I don't know where, I don't know where they are. I really don't know the details. But, um, I really, I would encourage just to work towards understanding who you are physically at this point, get a strategy to maximize your ability to live independently, to live your, to live life to the fullest, and then go do it. And you know, I know I'm going to sound rough when I say some of this, but I feel so strongly about this that I, I have to say what I think. And it is that when you go through adversity or trials in your life, things happen, and sometimes that's when you really find out what people are like. That's when you really find out where the character is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have a. You know, I, I, it's hard for me to find any remorse for the other person being the person that you know left this individual, right. because I realize that you know when something happens that it's traumatic for both parties. I realize it is hard and it is an adjustment for both parties. But I also remember that a commitment is is not the commitment is not. Listen, I want to be with you as long as everything is perfect and you look a certain way. And so that is, you know, sometimes when you're going through this grieving period, remember what Tim said, there are other people. Right. You can meet other people. I had another employee uh, who worked for me, not in this situation as this listener talked about. I had an employee who, um, when one leg was amputated, his spouse was hysterical. When the second leg was amputated is when she left. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Here he is. After gaining employment and getting that self-esteem back, found another wonderful uh, person and, you know, is married and everything's wonderful. So, I mean, what Tim said about looking forward, I think that is so important. I really do. You've got to just keep going. And you are a beautiful person, and you are a person, regardless of chair, amputee, Epilepsy, I don't care what it is. Right. No matter what it is, you are a beautiful person. And that's the key thing. You have to believe in you. No matter what anyone else says, you must believe in yourself. Well, you know, no one else is going to, Joyce. And you have to remember, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there are, there are support systems set out there. And, and you know, I've, I've, I've worked within the system. And, you know, people, there, there are systems out there that will maintain people you know, in in the community, um, you know, it's uh, you know, you can get your, you know, you, if you're on Medicaid in this country, in in the United States, um, you know, uh, you sort of you have to, you know, well, you have to be sort of financially qualified for it, of course, and you have to be sort of at the poverty level, which is tough. Here in Rhode Island, the, the you know, you couldn't make more than seven hundred eighty-seven dollars in order to qualify for the Medicaid program, and with that, you got to, you know, you live live in an apartment. Um, Actually, if you're lucky, you got an apartment. I mean, housing—you know—housing is a real difficult bugaboo. Also, I'm sure you probably could develop a show, 
you know, a whole show on that alone. Um, but it's... Uh... Oh, you mean whenever employees of mine who use wheelchairs are looking for apartments that are accessible and they can't find any. See, what I've figured out is people must have assumed that no one was going to gain employment. Right. And so let's put them all in sort of in, in housing complexes yes. for elderly right. disabled. And, right. And, but I think, that, I mean, 20 years ago, that was really the mindset. Um, you know, is let's, we'll provide care, but, you know, we don't, you know, I mean, it would be so costly to, if we want to enable every person with disability to work, well, what does that involve? Well, you're looking at transportation systems. You're looking at, you know, I'm from New York City. There are 237, I think, uh, subway stops in the subway stations in the city of New York. Now, you're going to build an elevator to every one of them? It's going to be very expensive, uh, you know, in order to do that. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, Joyce, when I first started out in 1981, First Avenue in New York was the only avenue that had curb cuts. I mean, mm-hmm. so I mean, what I but what I want to say is that we've, we've, we've come a long way. We've, you know, they've been, you know, with, with the Americans with Disabilities Act in, in 1991, um, you know, it was, you know, a boom. But it was just a start, you know, and uh, and you know, I've seen massive improvement in terms of accessibility. Now, why I choose to live in, you know, a sort of a an old yet. An old New England town with thin cobblestone streets and narrow doorways and steps going in everywhere. Well, that's that's my business, I guess. Uh, I like where it is and I enjoy the lifestyle here. Um, but I mean, well, for instance, as as your listeners out west know, I mean, you know, you're in Phoenix or you're in sort of these sort of post-war boom towns. Access is much better out there because they were built really after World War II when people came back in wheelchairs and they were sort of a little more thought process towards providing access to you know people to wheelchairs and that sort of thing. Um, but, um, you know, I think it's, uh, but, I mean, all that notwithstanding, uh, you know, for your employees, I mean, I found that I could always find a place to live if I had a job, and, you know, and I just, you know, I could make, I could tweak a, you know, if I wanted to move into an apartment, I need a little step here to get in, well, you sort of, you sort of work it out, but, you know, it's, it's, it's having that job that's real important also. Well, listen, Tim, we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. We're talking to Tim Flynn. The Executive Director of Shake-A-Leg in Rhode Island, and you're listening to Joyce Bender, the voice of voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. In Internet Talk Radio, you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display 
their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. My name is Maxine Thompson, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. In today's world, it's hard to find the truth with anything. Is there such a thing as the truth? Where and how can I find it? Will someone just give it to me straight? Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific with Mario Verdad, an exciting new show that will give it to you straight every time and tackle the truth behind everything from political issues and crime to vocational and career counseling. So log on and tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We're talking to Tim Flynn. I have a really, really good surprise for all of you. I'm going to have Tim back on at the beginning of next year because he has so much to offer, and I just want everyone in the United States to know about this Shake-A-Leg because I think what you're doing there, Tim, is so important. And before um, we go too far, how do people find out about Shake-A-Leg and if one of our listeners wants to make a contribution to Shake a Leg, how do you do that? Well, it's very simple. I think uh, as, as we are on the web right now, uh, our website is www.shakealeg.org. And on the site, there is information about all our programs, uh, about the, the organization itself, the history of the organization. And there's also information on how to make a donation. That would be That's pretty self-serving of us, but that's sort of... So we, we saw fit to do that. And, uh, but otherwise, you can contact our office. Uh, we are in Rhode Island. The area code is 401. The number is 849-8898. And uh, there's someone there. You know, during business hours, to answer your calls and answer any questions. I'm there. And so you can ask for me, and I'd be happy to answer anybody's questions and comments. And, you know, we're looking for new ideas. We're looking for new programs. So, I mean, anybody who wants to come along who's got an idea, I'd love to hear it because I mean it's, it's about it's about growing. It's not it's, you know it's about it's about listening to new stuff, trying new things, trying new ideas. Um, as we were talking about before, you know, I mean, and uh, you know, without without you know without a certain amount of risk, there's no there's no reward. And so uh, you know, I would encourage everybody to sort of find out about us. If you if you find that you're a, a quadriplegic like me, sort of in the C5 to sort of T1 level. And you're looking for sort of answers and uh, looking to 
sort of improve your independent living skills, give us a call because uh, we're lining up our programs for next year, and uh, you know we'd really like to we'd like to hear from you. I'd be happy to discuss with you sort of where you are in your life and sort of how we can sort of help you uh, accomplish what you want to do. So please, I encourage all your listeners to or or all your appropriate listeners to please get on the phone, give me a call, send me an email. There's a link on the site to me, um, and I'm very very happy to respond uh, in kind and uh, enthusiastically. And Tim, you all you have a sailing program as one of your programs, isn't that correct? We do. So this would be for people with disabilities. You teach them to sail. Yes, we do. Uh, it was pioneered. We started back in. This is actually an interesting process, Joyce. Um, we started it was, when I was first involved in the, in the body awareness program. Uh, you know, the programs would go from 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. and then for the rest of the day was sort of we were left left to our own. And uh, a couple of afternoons a week, uh, this gentleman who founded the program, Harry, he knew. You know, he's, he's from Newport, and a lot of people with boats. And so he thought it'd be a good idea. Maybe you know, let's get out. Of, you know, we're sitting in a dormitory. Let's get the heck out of the dorm and get out and get on the water. And so his friends would take us out, and they had very nice boats, and they were all great people. We go out, you know, do a sort of a sunset cruise around Newport, and uh, you know, enjoy the sights, then go out and have a hamburger afterwards. I mean, it was sort of more a little socialization stuff, and that was great. We had a great time for a couple of years, but then we started thinking, well, you know, it's all well and good to be passengers on the boat. But, you know, how can we work it out so that we can actually be drivers? And, you know, Newport, with its long sailing history with the America's Cup and with whaling and all that sort of stuff in the past, um, sailing was really a natural. And so the organization sort of entered into a great part, a really a great and unique partnership with um, there's a, an outfit called Tilton Pearson, who builds Freedom Yachts, and a gentleman by the name of Everett Pearson, uh, Sort of had a you know sort of cotton on idea, cotton on of this idea of disabled sailing, and so we uh, shake a leg, uh, Tilton Pearson, and the Department of Environmental Management in the state of Rhode Island got a, uh, entered into an agreement, wherein the, the Department of Environ- Environmental Management, easy for me to say, uh, would build the docks at Fort Adams State Park. Uh, Tilton Pearson would design and build a boat that would be accessible to people with disabilities. And Shake Leg would sort of figure out how to operate a program, how to attract people, how to get people involved. And that was in 1986. And it turned out that, you know, the boats that we designed are happily ensconced here in Rhode Island. They're in Chicago. They're in San Diego. They're in Florida. They're in uh, uh, Annapolis. Um, And, you know, they're all over the country. And these are good training boats. They're stable. They're, uh, they have two seats that swivel from side to side, and so two people can get on them with an able-bodied companion um, and go out and sail. And we race every Wednesday night, and uh, you know. But the other thing is, is it's also an activity that an individual can get on, get involved with, with their family and friends. Whereas, you know, they're not just being carted someplace, and you know, we have fun where this guy, where this individual man or woman can sit back in a teller. Knows how to sail. Says, you know, come on, let's go sailing. I'll take you sailing. And then they're, they're in charge. It's not like they're being taken along for a ride and just happen to be there. But you know, they're they're they're, they're running the show. And I mean, that's really sort of you know, it's part and parcel of sort of this idea of independence. And you know, and it's not you're not relying on someone else to help you out. You're actually doing it. And I mean, that that's a real important notion. Oh, that is tremendous. 
That is so exciting. Now, do you are you engaged at all with this Disabled Sports USA? Uh, I, we we've dealt with them. We, we we sort of work with them, and we keep an eye on sort of what they're doing. Um, you know, we don't have any formal arrangement with them, but you know, our our mission here is you know if we can help anybody, we want to help. Someone calls so you so so then you're really you've really done this on your own. Uh huh. Wow, that is great. That you know, I like that idea how the person can. Uh, be the one commanding the boat, yeah. and their friends and family go along. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, and it's so different, you know. I mean, I mean, it, and and this was in 1986. It was really different back then. And so, you know, well, I think what you see now is more and more as you see people are getting more involved in sports, and there's a lot, there's a lot of there's a lot more opportunities for recreation and access to recreation. Uh, you know, we work with an outfit here in Rhode called Access to Adventure, and they do a great job of they did kayaking and all kinds of different stuff. I mean, it's very interesting. And so, uh, you know, I mean, we want to sort of, we want to address the whole person. And part of that whole person is going out and having fun. Enjoying life. Yes. Enjoying yes. life. Uh, with Shake a Leg, when you go to your website, is that S H A K E and then a dash? Nope, nope. It's just one word. Shake okay. S H A K E A L E G dot org. Yes, ma'am. Shakealeg dot org. Um, and again, if you go to shakealeg.org, they have a great website. You can see all these wonderful things that Tim is doing and that the organization is doing. And feel free to make a donation. Uh, any, bus- any businesses listening to this show, this is a great project to get behind. Um, I know we only have a couple minutes left, Tim, uh, but I was wondering if you had a message that you wanted to leave with our listeners today, what would that be? Don't wait for life to come to you. I think is what it, it would be my message. I think uh, everybody's smart, everybody's proactive. Uh, no one's going to come and knock on your door and say, "Do you want to get better?" Um, no one's going to come and knock on your door and say, "You know, do you do you want to do you want to go to work?" I mean, that's got to come from inside, and and. Being able to tap into that and having the confidence in yourself and in your abilities and uh, and not being afraid, take take some risks. You know, as, uh, life is full of risks. Hey, look, taking a risk put me in this wheelchair, but taking a risk, you know, maybe put you in a sailboat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well put, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and change and change my life. You know, I mean, people. You know, a lot of times. When people are, you know, people are walking around, they say, you know, well, don't you want to, you know, I bet you just want to walk again. I'm like, you know what, that's really not that important. If it comes along, fine, you know, and I want to be the 15,000th person that, you know, that's online for the for, for whatever cure, whatever that means. But, you know, I like who I am. I like my life. I've got a great life. Uh, I love what I do. I love the people I work with. Um, you know, I mean, a, a good life is is Possible, and, there's, and, uh, and you know there are a lot of miserable people walking around, and uh, you know I mean and so I mean it's a uh, life is what you make it, no matter who you are or what your physical situation is. Life is what you make it, says Tim Flynn, and I just want to mention about that. That remember, Tim said it's normal you go through a grieving period or you go through a period. Um, you know, grievous about that you had this accident. I know that when I had my uh, seizure at a movie theater and I ended up, 
you know, having brain surgery and being in the hospital for a month and then re- rehabbing for another month. I remember just being so mad. But you know what? Look what happened. Here we are, Tim and I, doing a whole new thing in life. Right, Tim? That's right, Joyce. That's right. Tim, it was great having you on the show. I, would, I We will have Tim back on again. Don't forget to make a donation to this great organization. Joyce, I can't thank you enough, and I can't thank you your listeners enough for tuning in. Oh, great. Great to have you. I'll look forward to meeting you in person. And we always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And since last month was the 15th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, I end with a quote from a great hero and champion, the author of the ADA, Tony Quello himself, who said, Work gives us dignity. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to Joyce Bender, the voice of voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.